Welcome back to Keeping Track. Today's episode is with an amazing athlete, dual sport, alpine skier, and marathoner for Lebanon, Shireen Jame. We talked to Shireen about her start in alpine skiing as a young athlete, how she made three Winter Olympic teams for Lebanon, her time spent in the U.S., and how Chicago inspired her not only to get running, but to break the three-hour barrier, which led her to an amazing fourth Olympic team later in her life, not for alpine skiing, but for distance running. We talk about the difference between the two sports, Shireen's love of running, how she's an ambassador for the country of Lebanon, and the struggles she's faced in trying to prepare for the Rio Olympics as someone new to the sport. We also touch on at the end of the podcast, a recent plane crash that Shireen survived. You can head over to her social media to see the news story. It's truly scary, amazing. We're so glad she's okay. It's a miracle that everyone walked away from it. And we're just very happy to hear from an inspiring woman in sport. Thanks for keeping track. Keeping Track is proudly sponsored by thefeed.com for the next four episodes. The Feed is the largest online marketplace for your sports nutrition, offering the brands you know and love from Scratch Labs to Cliff Bar to Morton, plus their athlete-customized supplements called Feed Formulas. They carry over 250 brands, so you have thousands of products to choose from and try. Also, what we love about The Feed is that their products are curated, meaning they spend a lot of time picking and choosing what they want to offer on their site, so you know you're seeing the best product on the market. Go claim up to $80 of feed credit on thefeed.com backslash keeping track. Welcome back to Keeping Track, everyone. Today, we have a great guest. We have dual sport athlete, Shireen James, and she is an alpine skier and marathon runner uh, for Lebanon. Shireen, welcome. We're so happy to have you on this podcast. We got connected via our mutual sponsor, The Feed, but I think everyone's going to love hearing more from you. Um, So welcome to Keeping Track. Can you tell us a little bit about your career as an alpine skier and how that merged into running? A synopsis, if you will. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, such a, an honor to you know speak with you, and I've always been a, a big fan of you. So still am. I'm always like curious what's next for you and what you're doing, and so that's uh, very motivating to me, and I'm sure to a lot of people, um, you know, that are moms and trying to get back on track and all of that. So thank you for that. But yeah, so I'm. Um, my name is Shireen. I'm from Lebanon. I've lived in the U.S. now for, so I did high school and college in the U.S., but the reason I came to the States was mostly for ski racing. So I started skiing in Lebanon and then kind of moved to France the two years there, then to the States because the Olympics were happening in Salt Lake City. So my parents decided it was a good idea for me to come here. And so um, I never imagined myself ever coming, leaving home this far. Uh, but yeah, at 16, I moved here and uh, followed kind of my dreams of ski racing and um, raced my whole life, went to the Olympics and represented Lebanon at the 2002, 2006 and 2012 uh, 2010, game. 2010, I have on your 10, correct. Wikipedia. So yeah, so um, did the for skiing and I raced for uh, University of Utah. Uh, when I was in college and, um, you know, it was just something that's skiing was the only thing I knew was that's what I'm good at. That's what I'm going to do. And then, um, when I met my husband now, 
he was living in Chicago and then I was graduating from college. He's like, oh, you should move to Chicago. I'm like, okay, well, I think I can, you know, trade the mountains to skyscrapers. And part of me was like, you know, I just, I'm ready to be this person who gets up in the morning and just does the normal like workouts, biking, Pilates, yoga, you know, just all around. But I just couldn't, you know, Chicago is just such an amazing city and everyone just running around and biking. So I was like, I'm going to try to run the Chicago marathon. And I think that's how it all started. And, um, you know, I kept going at it. I loved the sport so much because it was really different than ski racing, completely different. So yeah, so from there, I uh, just kept improving my time every year until I uh, was able to hit the standard for Lebanon and uh, I participated at the Rio Olympic Games. That is amazing. That's amazing. Okay, we'll dive into that more because it sounds like you retired from one sport, thought you were just going to be, you know, someone who enjoyed sport for fun, but then your competitive mindset kicked in and you became top of the world, like the top percent of the world in your, your basically hobby. (laughs) So, um, when you retired from Alpine ski, like, do you still ski or did, was that a hard retirement back in 2000, the mid two thousands? Like how did you end that part of your life? Cause it sounds like you were really dedicated to it, to go to the Olympics three times. And, um, is that a common age to stop the sport? You know, it wasn't more of an age. I think it was more of me. Um, I got to a point where I felt like skiing was become like, we still go skiing right now. Like we go for fun as tourists and I love going out there when it's nice and beautiful. Uh, That I absolutely enjoy it and I miss it a lot. But I think the competitive side of it, just prepping for races and going and traveling and taking all the skis with us. I started a little bit feeling like it was becoming more of a, a job and it was, t- it was becoming tiring. And so I knew then that it was time for me to just step away. Um, I was just tired of the sports for doing it for so long, but um, that's how I knew, but it was hard. It was hard to let go, honestly. Like, I don't know if anybody, when they quit the sport, it just feels like it's part of you. And so I felt like everybody knew me as Shireen, the skier and, you know, I traveled because of skiing. So it was hard to let go, but every part of me wanted to just move on and try something different. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. Was there, um, like, do you, did you have to come to the States with other athletes on your team? Like, are you one of the only skiers in your delegation or what is, what was winter sports like in Lebanon? So starting skiing, I started skiing in Lebanon. So we have beautiful mountains there. And my parents taught me, you know, how to ski. And mostly the way I got into it was watching it on TV. I know it sounds crazy, but I remember coming back from school and I would just turn the TV on and there would be a race and I just watch it and studied. You know, I'm a very visual person. So I would like see exactly what they do. And I try to do it the next, you know, the next day on the hill when we go skiing. So to me, that was the motivating part. And then my parents, I truly think I have the luckiest parents ever because they didn't hesitate at all to kind of send me to France and just say, you know what, this is what she loves to do. And we're going to let her fulfill her dreams. And um, being from Lebanon, that's not something that it's done at all. It's um, unfortunately like the federations and 
the, the system, the sports in Lebanon is not uh, a priority. So people do it as a hobby, but no one looks at it as this could be a career or this is, could be something that takes you long ways. Um, so that's why my parents, you know, my mom always had this amazing attitude. She's like, you can work forever, but you can't do sports forever uh, competitively. So she decided, you know, both her and my dad to send me to France. And uh, from there, I just kept going from one place to another until I made it all the way to the States. But it was that's, mostly my parents' support. That's amazing. Did did you notice, um, like, were there, was skiing becoming more popular after you made it to the Olympics? Like, did you get that influence on the athletes back home and specifically like the female athletes? I don't know what it's like in Lebanon for sport, but I'm imagining like it's not exactly the way it is in the U.S. here. No, it's not. And, you know, again, I think um, I definitely think that when I started traveling, started racing, people started to hear more about Lebanon, more about ski racing and even the people in Lebanon, you know, everyone was motivated. I remember going to Lebanon and I was like, oh my gosh, everybody knows me. And it was kind of a nice feeling because I wanted to let people know that, you know, you can do, you can follow your dreams. It's not about just, you know, getting a, a corporate job or that's the only thing you have in life. You know, you have to follow what you're really passionate about. And so to me, when I'm going back to Lebanon and seeing all those kids just being super excited. And sometimes, you know, they come up to me and ask me questions. And I was young too at that time, but I felt so, um, it was just so amazing to give for the, for Lebanon, for the kids, for the next generation, and just kind of be like this role model for them. And so um, I definitely believe that skiing has changed a lot since then. Mm -hmm. Have you heard from any um, young skiers that you're their role model, that they watched you at the Olympics or anything like that? I'm sure it's happened, but like, have you, has it come back to you yet? Have you heard anything like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I used to always like going back home. There's one year when I was working on my paperwork, coming back to the States, I decided to stay back home. And then I was coaching for a year and I was coaching like little kids on the hill. And I just, I honestly fell in love with it because just seeing them and being like, oh my gosh, I get to train with, you know, Shireen and this is so great. And I felt, I don't know, it's just such a great feeling to be able to um, help the kids and kind of push Lebanon and everyone in Lebanon to believe that, you know, you just follow your dreams, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. Did you end up doing much more coaching? Like what, what do you do professionally right now besides your sports self? So I do have a full-time job. So I work for um, a startup company here in Chicago called Transcarent. And so I've always, I've been with them for now nine years. Um, but, you know, when I moved from Salt Lake City coming to Chicago, um, I had that one year for looking for jobs. And so I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. And that's why I kind of I think it worked out for the best for me because I had no job at that time, but I really wanted to discover Chicago. So that was my way of just running around, getting to know the different towns. And so every day I would say, okay, I'm going to run five miles until I get there because it took me forever to walk places. And I didn't want to buy, you know, a bus ticket to go because I was just out of college. I didn't want to spend money. <laughs> so I was like, okay, the best way to do it is just running around. And so I think that's how it slowly started. I was able to see a lot of the city. I was able to see, just kind of get inspired of everyone running around. And so that's how I picked it up. So it worked out for the good for me. 
And then I honestly met my boss now. I met him on a track because um, I started training with Kara when I moved to Chicago. And then one of the coaches was like, oh, my gosh, you should meet this person that I coach and I do personal training for him. So I just showed up one day and he's like, are you looking for a job? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so literally, that's how I started. So I think running had led me to a lot of um, positive places. So, yeah, it sounds like it became a really cool bridge for you, like from one way of like one part of your life to another part of your life. That reminds me of how a lot of people got in really good shape during like COVID when they didn't know what else to do. A lot of people just yeah. laced up their shoes and started to train more. And we saw some really big PRs come out of it. Like the women's marathon depth just, I feel like has grown so much in the last two years, three years. So there's a lot of people out there that like just want to be out and moving outside. And that's really like Absolutely. therapeutic and fun and then you suddenly get in PR shape. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy because like even in Chicago, I've noticed the amount of people that run. I mean, during COVID, everybody was running on the streets, which was kind of cool. Like not because not COVID, but the fact that people were out on the streets mm-hmm. running, it just makes you think there was nothing else to do. And that's what people did. And uh, a lot of people you know, kept up their running and just so many runners out there. It's so, it's so great to see. And so, yeah. Yeah, it is good to see. Okay. So let's dive into you going from finishing the Chicago marathon to qualifying for the, the Olympics. <laughs> um, so your first marathon, that's a lofty enough goal. What kind of training were you doing for that? And how long did it take for you to kind of get to that 240? Was it 245 or 249? It was a 244 to qualify for uh, some real. Yes. Yeah. So what was that journey like? Because I'm sure it wasn't just like, like you said, you had to find someone to start doing workouts with and more structured programs. So like, what was that progression like? So the first one, I believe it was 2012. Um, I think I ran a 307. But honestly, for me, I think being a ski racer, and I just had so much power in my legs. Um, I think that really helped me finish the, the Chicago Marathon that first year. And that first one, I absolutely did it. It was just more one of those things that I was like, okay, once and done, it's on the list. Those are things I want to do in my life. And so I'm going to do one marathon and then, you know, someday I'll do an Ironman. So it was just like one of those things. And so I told Ronnie, my husband, I'm like, let's just sign up for it. And just the idea of running the city, like being part of the city and like the whole community was just so exciting for me. So that's how it all started. And after I finished my first marathon, I was so in love. Like I was like, this is absolutely amazing. I loved marathoning. I loved how I felt. I mean, I literally remember I was standing at the finish waiting for my husband. I cried, but I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. It was just like why I'm crying or I'm tired, but it was just so emotional to see everyone that was finishing and like how tired and the accomplishment that they've done. Um, So I was just like, I want to continue doing this. And, you know, being new to Chicago, I started looking at teams, at groups. I'm like, okay, who where, where, where do I see myself fitting in and groups that are close to my house that I could train with. And the first one that I found was Kara. I'm sure everyone's familiar with Kara running. And I started uh, running with coach Leach. And so 
he was just doing like Tuesday, 6 p.m. runs, you know, just show up. And I never knew what I was doing. I just showed up and he was like, okay, do today we're doing 800. Today we're doing a tempo run. But I think my tempo runs were like four miles max. And we just kind of like all run in a loop in the park. And, but it, to me, it was something new because I've never done this, but it was very tiring. Um, and then I kept hearing people saying like, oh, if you want to do a really great marathon, you have to at least reach 20 miles. You have to be able to, you know, hold a, a longer tempo and things like this. But I didn't know. Mostly what I heard about was you have to run so many miles. You want to be an elite runner. You have to run like all the miles. And so, you know, I kind of made it a goal of mine, which I don't know if that was a good thing or not, but uh, <laughs> I remember just really trying to run a lot and I was just super tired. Um, but then again, so that's how I started meeting a lot of people in Chicago. And then from there, it kind of helped me kind of connect with people like, you know, my friends that have done the marathon before and they are, you know, a 255 or 257 marathoners. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. If I can get under three, like I would love that. Um, and that's how it kind of started. So I started moving from, you know, one team to another until I finally kind of found my niche, my place where I felt like the most comfortable. I loved the people running with, and I just started training with them. But yeah, it wasn't easy. Like going, I always went from like 307 to 306 to three. I mean, it was just like baby steps, uh, which is kind of crazy because now I feel like everyone that starts a marathon, they automatically go under three. And sometimes they're upset about it. They're like, oh my gosh, I ran the 255. I'm like, you have no idea what that feels like. <laughs> For me, it took me like probably, you know, four or five years, if I can't remember, to get to that point. You know, I started in 2012. I didn't get to 244 till 2016. That's how long it took me. And every year I did one marathon. And so, you don't, you know, the process for me was slow, but I was very motivated by the baby steps. Like I didn't want to go too big, but I wanted it to be, you know, I wanted to be, to feel good about it. Feel like I worked. And every time I changed something, I added tempos, I added long runs. And so I think that helped me stay motivated until I reached my point. Mm-hmm. So you made it to the Rio Olympics. You got that qualifying time. What was that experience like compared to your skiing days? Were you more relaxed? Were you because you never thought you'd be back, or like what, were you more nervous because it's a new sport? I was very very nervous, and I think because in skiing, you know, you have probably a minute and a half, two minutes, let's say, to complete a course. But then also when you race, it's just me in the course. Like there's no one else chasing me. There's no one else in front of me. So it's just me in the course. And that's all I have to do is just go down the hill. But then in running, it's so different because you have to make sure, you know, your nutrition is on point. You have to, which is like very important. You have to make sure that you're rested, not just like the day before, but, you know, two weeks leading to the race, uh, which is very much unlike skiing. You know, skiing, we travel the night before we're racing the next day. Um, I never even thought about oh my gosh, like, oh, I had a sandwich. This is not going to sit very well tomorrow. <laughs> like, you don't even think about that. But in running, it's so different. You have to make sure all those things are correct. And being in Rio, like the food was new, the atmosphere, everything's new. So you really had to adapt to all of that. So it was a lot of changes going on. Um, and also the weather. I mean, that was a huge like problem in Rio because it was so warm. 
and everyone had their ice jackets at the start. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing here? Like, here I am. I'm just the person with not a jacket. I don't know what's going on. Um, but I was definitely nervous because you're just going in loops and you're just hoping that, you know, you can keep up and you can stay and you're not like the last one finishing and, you know, you're left out. So I was very much nervous. Yes. Uh, but it was very exciting to be there. I just, uh, my parents were there, my, my sister. So it was really exciting to have everyone there. Did you have a goal for that race or were you kind of like, let's just see what happens. Like, this is the biggest race I've done. Like, what was that process? Um, it was definitely more like, just let it be and see how things happen. But I think in my nature, I'm just someone who's very competitive. So it was hard for me to just say, I'll just go out there and have fun. I mean, of course, I'm always having fun, but, you know, just it was hard for me to just say, just run with no um, expectation. I definitely wanted to represent my country in the best way possible. So there was a lot of pressure there. But yeah, I, did, I don't think I was going for a PR or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear you say you were nervous about all the variables for the marathon, because sometimes I start to wonder, like, am I just being neurotic? Like when I get so nervous for the marathon, but I think it, it actually, that proves that like running, there's so many little things, especially in the marathon to worry about. And you really, you don't want a marathon that feels bad because that's so hard. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so you want to control every little thing so that it feels good. You're, you want your taper perfect. You want your meals perfect. You want your in race. Yeah. So I'm glad you say that too. And it's not just me that like really worries about that stuff. Yeah, actually, you know, I had, um, I was training with Ryan Hall uh, for the past like two years and you know, every time we do a work, even for workouts, I used to get nervous during the workout. And he's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, why are you getting nervous? Like, this is the whole point of a workout is to be able to do the mistakes and, you know, say this is a workout. But I felt like, I think he did say something to me once at the race is it's good that you're nervous because that means you care. Mm-hmm. And I think that always now sticks in my head when I'm nervous. I'm like, that's okay. It's because you know, I want this, I'm prepared, I want to do well. And I think that helps me kind of control things during the race and not feeling super nervous to the point where I just lose all my energy. Um, I just kind of take that and say, okay, you're nervous because you're prepared and you know, it's going to go well and that's normal. So just take that and put it all out there. Yeah. You kind of welcome the nerves, but don't let them absolutely like slow you down or take over. That's yeah, a good strategy. Okay. Yeah, because if you think, you know, I'm nervous and I just can't, um, I don't know why I'm nervous. It's just, I mean, it's it's normal behavior to be nervous as a human just because we care. If we didn't mm-hmm. care, you just kind of go with it and I don't know. It helps you prepare. Like if I'm not nervous, I feel like I won't prepare. I'll forget Absolutely. something, like I'll miss something. Yeah, and so I'll get halfway through the race and be like, I have the wrong shoes on. <laughs> I forgot my gel. Oh no. You know, it will, it'll have impact if I, if absolutely. That, so the nerves are come with good and bad, but absolutely, I feel you on those. What? So you come off of the Olympics and what are, what are your thoughts? Like, were you like, wow, I did that. Were you like, let's try and do this again in 2021, 20, you thought it was 2020 became 2021. Like what was mm-hmm. the next few years? Like after that amazing experience? You know, it was amazing crossing the finish line at that moment. And because the race itself, honestly, was, it was very miserable because it was so hot. Mm -hmm. And along the ways, I remember there was like 
a place that was like a water fountain. And I thought in my head, oh my gosh, I just want to sit there. I just want to take my shoes off and just sit there and cool off and then get back to the race. But I knew that was not the option. <laughs> um, I don't want to be that person who just stopped the race and just dipped her feet in the fountain. So it was a lot of um a lot of thoughts going on in the race. I wanted to stop many times. So the fact that I crossed the finish and I kept telling myself, you know, one there's one thing about starting a race, but you also have to finish to be able to say I did it. Uh, to me, that's how I look at it. You know, even if you start a race, you can't just say like, oh, I was part of it. I just wanted to finish it. I just wanted to have my name on that finishing list. And I didn't care at that point what my time was going to be. I was truly like suffering through the race. So to cross that finish line, it felt absolutely amazing. I was exhausted. I was overheated. Like I just did not feel good. I was, um, I mean, I did like throw up a couple of times, I think, because I was super dehydrated. Um, but it felt amazing to cross. And I don't think I was thinking at that time, like, I wanted to do this again. I just felt complete. You know, at that moment, everything felt like everything that I wanted, I did, you know, just being able to be the only woman from the Middle East to do the winter and summer Olympics. I, you know, I was that person. And so it felt like such a huge accomplishment for me at that moment. But yeah, no, I wasn't thinking about another Olympics at that time. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. Every time I, so there's not, how big is the club of winter and summer Olympians in general, right? Like there's probably not that many athletes, period, yeah, that have think, done both. Yeah, I, I have to look it up, but I don't think there's a lot out there. Mm-hmm. It's maybe in the like 30s maybe or 19. I honestly don't know, but I have to look it up. Yeah, that alone, I always think is amazing. You have to be such a good athlete to be able to do two completely different sports like that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, you're not just a typical uncoordinated distance runner. <laughs> so that's pretty impressive. So you're a great ambassador for Lebanon, I assume. Like, what what do you want us to know about your country and what's going on there right now? And like, what mes- what do you like to convey to people? So I know not like Lebanon, sadly, the only time people hear about it is about, you know, bad, bad news or something bad happened. And so, you know, that's truly not what it is. It's such a beautiful country. And we do have the Beirut Marathon every year in November. And it's actually a really great, well-organized race. And everyone from Lebanon, they really try to put all their effort into it to make it. And they invite a lot of try to invite a lot of people from abroad to come and race. Um, And I highly recommend people to do it. You get to see a lot of uh, the country. Um, I just really want people to recognize Lebanon as one, a beautiful country and amazing people. And not only this, um, just, I don't know, like, I just, I'm so attached to my country. It's hard for me to, you know, I've had a lot of opportunities for people like, oh, you can come and race for us. Or you, you know, why why do you race for Lebanon? Like, why do you do this? But I'm so attached to this beautiful, small country that I call, because honestly, it's people, it's culture, everything about it. Um, So yeah, so I think people should go visit so they can see that to themselves. Because it's hard for me to just describe it like that. Have you done the Beirut Marathon yet? I have actually, I do it every year in November. I go back, even so I usually do the Chicago Marathon in October. I go back and I do the Beirut Marathon in November, which is only like a month apart. 
but I can't, I always tell everyone, I'm like, I just cannot say no to the Beirut Marathon. It's to see everyone being so inspired and all the kids being there and watching me race means so much to me. So um, yeah, every week, every year I go back and I do it. So I think also they have a half marathon. So, you know, if people want to ever look it up and just go there. (laughs) Do you feel like the kids watching you run, like they have an opportunity to, to do sport the way you did? Like, is there anything holding back the women more so than the men? Or is that something you kind of inspire in them, you think, by just being there? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, honestly, like um, in Lebanon, because I don't know if, you know, the Mediterranean Sea and like it's about it, the highest mountain is like it was up to 7,000 feet. And so I look at it, I'm like, this is a perfect place to train. We have, you know, in 45 minutes and go from 7,000 feet to sea level, which is, you know, people travel to Flagstaff and Switzerland to do all of those things, but we have that in Lebanon. So to me, it's amazed me that we don't have actually even great runners there. But I think in Lebanon, we need more like the Federation, the Olympic Committee, like just everyone needs to really kind of help out the athletes that want to follow their dreams. I think that's one thing that is really hard in Lebanon because people, again, like they don't see sports as a career. And so that's very difficult. Um, But I also think um, like when I go home, I definitely notice more and more people running. I've noticed a lot of people asking me questions and, you know, can I do this? Can I do that? Absolutely. You know, I don't think being from Lebanon is going to ever stop you from, or anywhere to stop you from being, becoming what you want to do or following your dreams. I think you just have to, you know, work hard and commit to what you want and you will get there no matter what. Yes. Great message. Um, what is, what's your running been like recently or whatever like athletic feats you're doing currently? I assume you're still running and what's next on your calendar? Do you have any plans going forward? Uh, yeah. So usually I always, every year I do the Chicago Marathon. This year um, I've decided to run Valencia in Spain. I just wanted something different. I heard the course is amazing. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'll probably do a half marathon just as a prep. Um, thinking like D. Uh, marathon since it's close to Chicago so um, those are the two big races I have on my agenda but other than that I just um, you know right now I'm just kind of coming back we've had a a big airplane accident (laughs) which uh, was kind of crazy so I'm just kind of letting my body you know adapt and readjust to all of this and regroup myself so I can start training again so yes for anyone who doesn't follow Shireen like I you can go follow her and I saw it on your social media. Um, I'm sure it was something that was shocking. You're still digesting, but like, we're so happy that you're here doing this interview. Can, can you speak a little bit to what happened for people that don't know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, my husband uh, used to be a pilot and now he just does it as a hobby, um, a little more expensive hobby than running. <laughs> but uh, so we were actually heading from Michigan, visiting some friends, coming back to Chicago uh, on a Sunday, and unfortunately, we uh, as soon as we took off, uh, something was wrong in the plane. We still don't know what it was, and um, we just crashed. You know, from eighty feet, we crashed in the woods. Um, it was absolutely terrifying. It was probably the scariest, you know, absolutely the scariest thing I've ever faced. And um, yeah, but luckily, we 
I truly don't know till this day. I have no words to describe what it felt like, but to be able to walk away from uh, the plane and, you know, not being super injured, just had some burns. And then, you know, I had some stitches in the knee, but that was about it. You know, we just all walked away and I feeling so grateful to, to be here chatting with you today. Uh, but yeah, it was just a nightmare that I cannot describe, you know, um, gives you a different perspective about, about life and just the things that we worry about and stress about, you know, I'm actually excited to get back to running because I feel like my mentality is a little bit different uh, going into that right now. I'm just like, you know, don't stress about it. Just this is what you do. This is what you love and you chose to do this. So go out there and do it and do it with all your heart because, you know, honestly, sadly, in one day, not a couple hours, in a minute, your life could change. So um, I see life is a gift and I think we should all take advantage of it and make the best out of it. 100%. Yes. I think that would change your perspectives, even if you already had a pretty good perspective on things. So, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, Shireen, here at Keeping Track, we like to ask if there's anything else that you wanted to talk about that needs a platform or that you just want to shout out or that doesn't get talked about much about yourself um we like to leave that for the end although I think the accident is sort of in that category um but yeah is there anything any other topic that you wanted to chat about um no I think I'm all set thank you again so much for having me um again it's so it's so amazing to sit here and talk to you and be able to share my story with everyone and uh just yeah don't take life seriously just go out there have fun and be nice (laughs) you know just uh, surround yourself with good positive people that's the most important thing thanks shireen and again we're so happy to see you okay and everyone that was with you too and um we think yeah you're just meant to still be here so thank you for speaking with us Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Keep track. Keep track. Major shout outs to What Cheer Writers Club Podcasting Studio, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators and where Roshin and I record, and to Rudy Nakashima for our funky outro song. Thanks, guys. What is this technological thing you got going on here? It looks like there's a button. It's called a cloud. <laughs> Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures.